0: Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smichael and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. As we continue to explore justice and peace, I would like to begin to consider organizations. This podcast... How Inclusive is Your Organization is a tool for helping you assess the climate of your organization. It's a thought starter designed to get leaders thinking strategically about inclusion. How do you figure out if your workplace is committed to justice and peace? Is there more than a lip service investment in fostering equity and inclusion This podcast will give you a framework for figuring out where you are as an organization. I hope that you'll get strategies for moving forward. Inclusion is rooted in organization development. You might be asking, exactly what is organization development? I want to deal with that before we move too deeply into the inclusiveness of an organization. Organization development, or OD, as those of us in the field call it, is a concerted effort to impact the organization's effectiveness and overall health. It's a change-oriented process and a very complex one. The goal is to strategically alter beliefs, strategies, values, processes, and structures of organizations so that they can move along the path of their most positive, powerful potential. Organization development is a process that can be daunting. It's messy. It's complex by its very nature. Organizations are layered and they're multifaceted. Bringing about systems-level change is arduous. It is not for the faint of heart. It requires committed, focused leadership able to stay the course hold themselves and others accountable and strategically position the organization to move in the desired direction. That implies that they know what the desired direction happens to be. Now we've got the foundational definition of organization development established. We should probably move on to addressing a couple of other really basic definitions. Diversity is a term that we hear all the time now. We just throw it around left, right, and center. I want us to start with a shared understanding of what I mean when I use that term in relation to organizations. To me, it's a culture. Diversity is a culture that has clear norms that willingly acknowledge differences and similarities between and among people. Notice I said differences and similarities. It acknowledges and respects the uniqueness of each and every human being, because we are not all the same. Diversity extends way beyond race and gender. It includes abilities, age, sexual identity, military service, the traumas we've survived, our national origin, our political leanings, economic status, our level of education, our level of literacy, our religion or our faith traditions, and a myriad of other factors. In order to embrace diversity, the organization's concepts of that word need to be broad enough to capture the many, many, many manifestations of diversity. I know that a lot of people waste a lot of time splitting hairs over what's meant by diversity. Frankly, I believe that's a diversion tactic that keeps us from getting to the real business of creating change that embraces all of the humanity in the workplace. In organizations, diversity is a question of organizational culture, of norms, of beliefs, of expectations, and of values. Now, with that said, I want to move to a shared definition of inclusion. I want you to understand what I mean when I talk about inclusion. It goes further than diversity, it requires that the organization create an environment where all of the diverse populations that I mentioned before can actually flourish. This means that the culture, the climate, the entire organization is structured so that each and every person can be respected and can be heard. Inclusion means that multiple ideas are sought and considered. Further, people are drawn out so that their insights and their unique perspectives can be brought forward. Now, it was important for me to get those foundations out of the way. So now we can start looking at the level of inclusivity in your organization. The first thing we have to look at is probably the hardest to see, and that's the barriers. Getting a grip on the level of inclusivity in your organization requires that you identify the barriers, the visible and the invisible. You might be thinking, How am I supposed to recognize a barrier, Joanne? And you may be thinking, how am I supposed to see an invisible barrier? Well, I cannot tell you how to find every barrier because they're distinct to each organization. But I'll give you a few of my thoughts that I hope will help you get started. First, who's in the pipeline for key positions? Are your pipelines homogenous? Do you intentionally, intentionally, on purpose, ensure deep diversity, not just the appearance of diversity, in your pipelines? I'm operating on the assumption that you use a talent management system that uses pipelines as a method of succession planning. Second, I want you to think about who gets mentored And what type of mentoring is offered to different people? Again, this is operating out of an assumption. The assumption is that you do some formal mentoring in your company. Key, really important questions for mentoring include whether you only mentor people who are on the A team. Are you just investing in your star performers? Equally as important, and going right back to that pipeline, Are your star performers a homogenous group? Now, here's where an unseen barrier pops up. What's the criteria for being on the A-team? Is it an inclusive criteria? I just finished doing a climate assessment for an organization. One of the comments that came up was that the company's A-team was comprised of people who were willing to sacrifice their lives to work well beyond 7 or 8 o'clock at night. What that really translated to was that people with families or people who just valued life balance were seen as less dedicated, less committed, and even labeled as slackers by some managers. Inclusion means that we make room for people, for lots of different people that we challenge the unspoken norms about what it means to do a good job, to be committed, and to be a valued employee. Now, we spent a little time calling out a couple of barriers. I want to help you figure out which barriers are problematic in your organization. I am a big believer in climate assessments. It's a type of measurement that gives employees at all levels voice. They get to be heard through surveys, through focus groups, and through confidential interviews. I personally like to root my climate assessments in a sound theory. I I do this because I have a strong basis for exploring all the nuances of diversity and inclusion in an organization If I have a theoretical base, I like an anchor when I'm nosing around in organizations, and that's what a theory provides for me. It's an anchor. Right now, I'm hooked on social inclusion theory. It's practical. It's easy to apply to organization development. The theory encompasses social, political, cultural, and economic dimensions that directly and indirectly impact the workplace. Whether we want to admit it or not, whether we discuss it or not, the larger world impacts every organization in one way or another. Social inclusion theory helps you grapple with those external forces and their impact on creating inclusion. So using this as a framework for a climate assessment will allow you to examine so many aspects of diversity and inclusion in the larger world And the weight that they have in creating or even eliminating barriers to inclusion in your organization. I don't wanna spend a lot of time on theory. I really just want to give you something to ground your climate assessment. I believe that a sound theoretical foundation helps leaders to become really clear about the norms, the values, the practices, the systems, the services. Of the organization and it helps to align those things with inclusion. I also think that this grounding helps you figure out whether you, you, the leader, are working to create tangible, visibly inclusive organizations and that that inclusivity is reflected in your strategy and in your operations. Of course, you won't just use what you get from the climate assessment, You'll also track retention, promotion, termination, exit interview data, compensation trends, disciplinary actions. That's what's going to help you see what's really going on. That goes without saying. I think it's so silly when organizations do exit interviews and then do nothing, absolutely nothing with the data. I already mentioned Aligned strategy and operations because to me, that's it. That is so important. You stand a better chance of fostering inclusion if you have meaningful, measurable goals, and those goals are integral components of your big picture organizational strategy. The goals should be informed by the data that you got in your climate assessment. Let me be clear. I am not talking about goals that say, we'll increase the number of X type of employees by Y percent by 2025. That is only about numbers and numeric representation. It does not address culture or climate. It does not address what's important about inclusion in your particular environment. Let's say your organization is losing more men than women. A more meaningful strategic goal would be to find out why and then to create a clear action plan for reversing that trend. That action plan would include clear interventions based on the data you gathered, measures, checkpoints, and other very targeted interventions. Another meaningful strategic goal would be to identify one or two best practices related to inclusion and to determine how and where to incorporate them in your organization. So now let's say that your climate assessment reveals that employees feel disconnected from or not a part of the organization. That need is directly linked to what I consider a best practice for creating inclusion. And that practice is to create a sense of belongingness throughout the organization. As you think about mull over, reflect on that best practice, you're going to have to identify exactly what it means. What do the indicators look like? How are you going to measure it? And to me, this is the most important point. How are you going to hold yourself, other leaders, and everyone else accountable for creating that sense of belongingness? Another best practice that you may want to incorporate, depending on what's revealed in your climate assessment, is to ensure that developmental opportunities are offered to all employees. The opportunities need to be specific to the employee's desired career path. Stop. We need to stop here for just a minute. I said that the developmental opportunities need to be offered based on the employee's desired career path. That means that you are not tracking people on career paths that you assume are right for them. It also means that you're aware of who's clustered in which positions. Here's an example. Are most of your middle management positions occupied by people of a certain age range, race, or gender? What's the composition of your low-wage, low-status positions? You really need to look at senior management, senior leadership composition as well. If you're a senior leader listening to this podcast, I ask you to look around the organization. Who is clustered where? What are you going to do about those clusters? Identifying the trends is so important. Equally as important, how and why did the trends emerge? How and where are you recruiting? What is the climate of the organization? Is it welcoming? Is it subtly and covertly hostile to particular people? Is your leadership divisive? Are you divisive? Are your team members welcoming? All of those factors impact whether or not you have a welcome workplace that makes inclusion not only possible, but probable. I'm going to share one more point that's going to help you determine whether you have an inclusive workplace. The last point is about the inclusiveness of ideas and creative approaches. Do you solicit, actively solicit fresh perspectives? Are you fostering innovation or are you stuck When we're able to think broadly about diversity and inclusion, we have to acknowledge how important it is to have a workplace where people, all people, not just a select group, feel like they can throw their ideas in the ring for consideration. More important, people want to know that their ideas are valued and given serious consideration. When people feel that their insights, their experiences, their ideas, their suggestions are valued, of course they develop a sense of belongingness. Of course they develop that. Of course they want to commit. Of course they want to stay with the organization. It's time for me to wrap up this podcast. We started with foundational definitions of organization development, diversity, and inclusion. I think it's really important to begin your efforts creating an inclusive workplace by having working definitions. Now, please don't waste your time getting caught up splitting hairs or wordsmithing. Find a practical definition for the terms. Find one that makes sense in your organizational context. Getting to inclusion means looking at the barriers. This is tough. It means that you have to divorce yourself from your delusions about yourself and about your organization. Some of your barriers may be evident in your pipelines, in your overall talent management strategy. This includes who's getting which opportunities and why. You may get more clear and able to eliminate delusions when you go through a thorough climate assessment. This is going to help you really understand what life is like in your organization. And it will help you understand that life is different for different people in your organization. I mentioned social inclusion theory. That's a theory that I like, but don't limit yourself to what I like. Find a theory that works for you. Your assessment cannot happen in a vacuum. You've got to gather data so you have a well-rounded picture of the organization. The last pieces that I think are really important are developing strategic goals to guide your work at building an inclusive organization. But those goals are not enough. They've got to be meaningful. They've got to be measurable. Equally as important, you, the leader, have to hold people accountable to the goals. Now, I didn't say it, but it's obvious. If you have goals, you have to have action. I believe that the best goals are rooted in best practices for creating inclusion. Learn about those practices. Read. Have conversations with people outside of your normal learning circles. Finally, work to create an environment where innovation is sought from every crevice and corner in the organization. My hope, my very sincere hope is that you found a few points in this podcast that you're willing to use, to use, to use consistently to create an inclusive organization. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe to get more relevant leadership learning. Check out my YouTube channel to stay prepared for leading in an ever-evolving world.